Welcome back to Couch Conversations with myself, Rani. We continue this week with our money series. I'll be interviewing Dayalan, who will share the current state of the property market, how to buy and sell a property, and also he'll be sharing some helpful tips to remember when you are going through the process. Hello. Hi, Rani. How are you? I'm good, Dayalan. How are you? Yeah, doing well, doing well. Good. So welcome to the show. Um, it is great to have you on. You are our second guest on the Money Series. Before we kind of get kicking off, you know, with all the property advice, which I'm looking forward to, just tell us a little bit about your background, so your heritage and your culture and where you're based and what you do for a living. Sure. Uh, so I'm based in London, born and bred, and uh, my family originally from Sri Lanka. And um, my parents came over in the 70s. Um, so we're a um, Christian family. We're, I was born and brought up in church generally. And uh, yeah, I went to university in the Midlands, which I know you're in the Midlands now. But yeah. apart from that, I've actually been in London pretty much all my life. Brilliant. Yeah. And in terms of your career, your day-to-day job, what do you do? Yeah. I know you're part of obviously the Evangelical Alliance, which yes. is great. And I'm, I've joined you in that journey. Yes. <laughs> um, but obviously, you also do your day, uh, your day job pretty much, which sure. is your property side. That's right. Yeah. So I've been running my own property company for about uh, 15 years now, even more, actually. That shows my age a bit. But um, <laughs> I soon after university, I, I got, uh, graduated and actually worked for British Airways. Uh, but I just didn't really feel that, um, you know, a nine to five job was for me. I had this interest in property and then I just uh, eventually uh, went full time in property. Um, and for, for a while, I was doing it part time with my work. And then I just felt um, this was the right calling for me, so I decided to do that full time. Um, so I do development management, um, letting sales, anything to do with residential property. And in the last couple of years, I started to do a lot more uh, mentoring and teaching other people about property. Um, so running seminars on how to get on the ladder or how to start a business. Uh, so that's a particular thing that I've become passionate about in the last two, three years as well. Wow. And then that, I mean, that's great because obviously what you're doing is you've, you've started, you know, as you said, you kind of started kind of part-time and you've moved over into it full-time, but actually mm-hmm. now you're passing that knowledge on. And today you're going to be sharing some of that knowledge with us, which is great. And then tell us about Evangelical Alliance. What are you doing sure. there? Um, so I work one day a week with a South Asian forum. I, I look after a ministry which reaches out to um, Asians of other faiths, but also uh, helps and support the connect the Asian church within the country, uh, within the UK. So I started doing that three years ago now. Um, I just felt I wanted to do something other than property. And I felt some kind of ministry where I would be able to um, use my gifts. Uh, so I, I like organizing events. I like connecting with people. And I just uh, particularly felt passionate about um, the Asian church. So um, I I contacted a friend of mine who was um, running South Asian Forum at the time, actually. And then I started to end up working one day a week under him. And I really like that, you know, on a Wednesday particularly, that's my day where I generally do that work. And it, and it gives me a real break from property. Um, and I feel very passionate about that work as well. And I've been doing that for about three years now. Yeah. Wow, that's mm. brilliant. And you're doing a great job. You've obviously brought yeah. um, a lot of South Asians together. Um, you've set up a champions group, which I'm a part of. So I'm, yeah. I'm the West Midlands champion, which is great. So thank mm-hmm. you for having me. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Um, so we're going to dive right in then. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about property. So 
obviously the pandemic has caused so much controversy in terms of obviously people not being able to buy properties um people have moved or you know people are you know have been confined in their spaces really um so what i wanted to ask really is what what is the current state right now of the market uh yeah it's a very interesting time it's hard to kind of define really because it's a kind of short time where um there isn't really a much certainty you know where lots of people are losing their jobs um yeah. sadly and the property market thrives on certainty so you could say it's been propped up um artificially really because the government have put in these schemes such as the 95% mortgages um the stamp duty relief um those are kind of widely um talked about in the media and and most people know about them um but when all of that ends and maybe when you know uh a bit more of the job losses kind of kick in and things like that it's very uncertain what's going to happen with the market so there are plenty of people that are predicting that the market will um will fall uh, in the second half of this year or even uh, early into next year um but yeah i mean generally i would say the the, the factors that are keep the market strong um are are kind of not really that um not really that certain going forward so i would say that there's a bit of uncertainty uh, to be expected in the next year or two um but what i definitely would say is it, i don't think that the market can really uh be too buoyant in the next year or two you know you might not see a bit of a dip but we're, uh, we're definitely not going to see buoyancy especially after the stamp duty um ends because i think just the the job losses alone um is going to affect the market in quite a big way really Yeah I mean it's such a it's such a difficult time isn't it because mm-hmm. um I think if you're a first time buyer it's great in a way because you know if you've got a job um you know if house prices drop then yeah. as a first time buyer that's great for you um but for somebody that wants to sell for example whether it's your yeah. first home or you know a home you've had for a while um it's difficult because you know wherever you're looking obviously naturally as, as your house prices drop other ones drop as well yeah um but you're not getting the best value for your property and 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 it had been quite steady i think over the last few years yeah um and sadly the pandemic has definitely had an impact on people so i guess what we want to talk about really um you know the current state of market obviously as you said it, you know there's going to be potentially a dip in the towards the end of the year going into 2022 mm-hmm. um but if i'm a first time buyer which i'm not i'm actually <laughs> yeah. i i was a first time buyer yeah. um for someone who wants to buy a property you know whether it's first time or whether it's um you know buying the next property yeah. what is the process so you know you one of the great things about having you having you on this show is that you have that experience and knowledge and people that are listening in um potentially are looking to buy the first home or move on and with this market being so uncertain um let's kind of go through the process what do i do how do i buy a house okay um i think the best thing you could say in a, in a sentence is that you'd learn by doing it um i know that sounds obvious but it mm. is a process that as you know when you've when you've bought you know some t- at a start you're a bit overawed you just don't know where to even start um what a lot of the terminology means you know what is a leasehold property what is a variable mortgage um but i think even without necessarily having a property expert even if you've got people around you that have already bought before a lot of the questions that you might have um they might be able to help you because it's just a case of going through the process so, uh, once you've gone through the process once you definitely mm. feel a lot a lot more confident um but i always say to start with 
um, approaching your high street bank. So your bank generally would know you. They know your uh, record of, you know, your income coming into your account and all that kind of thing. And so they'll they'll give you a very good idea um, on what kind of level of lending you would be be able to access. Uh, so based on your salary, based on your savings, everything else, they could put together um, an, an estimate of the kind of value property that you would be able to buy. Um, so I think that's a very good starting point to go to is your high street bank. Um, on top of that, there's, there's mortgage brokers, which will give you a bit more of a wider range of mortgages. Um, you would generally have to pay for their services, and there's plenty that I could recommend as well. Um, but a mortgage broker could also give you a bit more specialist advice um, and maybe customize your mortgage a bit more, whereas a high street bank will just maybe have a few different options, uh, whereas the mortgage broker will have access to the whole market. Um, but I think on top of that, the biggest thing is research, because I think you can do a lot of research for free now. You don't need to be going on um, expensive courses to learn about property uh, with Facebook groups and online groups and forums. Uh, people are generally very, very receptive and um, um, open to answering your questions. Um, you know, there's no such thing as a stupid question in, in property. Uh, so, you know, I, I would just spend time on, on research. And on top of that, you know, when you actually start viewing properties, it builds so much confidence. You know, once you see a few properties, um, you might think, well, I don't particularly like this type of property. I don't particularly like this area. And so you, you have to get to a level where you're really narrowed down what you're looking for, because at the start, it's very difficult to have that kind of, you know, arrow that you definitely want to go of for this kind of property. So it's a case of narrowing that funnel down to something or an area or a type of property that you feel comfortable in purchasing. Yeah, that that's brilliant. That's yeah. absolutely right. And, and you're right about just jump, you know, throwing yourself into the process. Um, I'm in a leasehold property. Okay. Um, so although I've got a mortgage and I obviously pay for that, um, I think one of the things that obviously is important that if you are buying a leasehold property, um, to make sure that you find out what the um, ground ground yeah. charges are, ground, the ground yeah. admin fee yeah. is. Yeah, um, like mine's two pounds, which is fantastic. <laughs> yes. But there are other properties where you can pay six, seven hundred pounds, and a lot of that's to maintain the actual communal areas yeah. and the gardens and whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And some of the ones I saw just really were not worth it. I looked at the communal areas. I'm like, what are what are people paying for? Yeah. Because, yeah. Um, and I guess space, like you said, you know, people need to think about what they want. So, you know, if you're going to have a garden, for example, are you going to have time to maintain it? Because if you don't, yeah. then really you want to go for something either with a small garden or, you know, a flat perhaps or, you know, yeah. um, something which, you know, that doesn't need too much work as well. I think uh, personally, I found, you know, as long as it's just deck all you need to do mm -hmm. and there's not any structural changes or, mm. you know, um, radiators need changing or whatever it might be, then generally, like, that's a good that's a good start to, um, yeah. starting place as a first-time buyer. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about, so in terms of the buying process, a stamp duty. So you mentioned, uh, you know, stamp duty earlier. What are, what are the brackets and when, when do they, you know, change? I think, is it June and September? That's right. Yeah. So up to £500,000, if you make a purchase, up to £500,000, up to the end of June, uh, you wouldn't need to pay any stamp duty. Um, there is this other charge that if you already own a property, then you do have to pay a second property surcharge, regardless of this stamp duty of 3%. Um, but that aside, then up to end of June, it's £500,000, which is stamp duty exempt. And up to end of September, it's £250,000 stamp, stamp duty exempt. So those are really 
savings. I mean, it's prompted myself and my wife as well to even look for ourselves and we're in the process of moving ourselves. Um, and that stamp duty saving, you know, is sizable because, you know, you, you actually have that £15,000 that you can then put towards um, a bigger deposit, you know, to buy a, to, to buy a bigger property or to access a, a bigger mortgage. So I think that's, that's a key change that's happened in the last few months. And you mentioned about space and garden as well. I think that's the other thing that people have really been on a search for space, they call it, you know, where, you know, with, mm. with, with the pandemic and being hemmed in into your ho home and, you know, God forbid it happens again, but just in terms of that kind yeah. of um, perspective has been opened up where people really want um, outdoor space a lot more now. So places with gardens and balconies and they've been in much bigger demand than they were even before. And even not, even not just about the, the, having a garden, but just the size of a garden. You know, people just envisage having a barbecue nonstop yes. now because they want to enjoy their outdoor life a bit more. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. So in terms of the buying process then, obviously from a legal standpoint, um, you know, surveys is something else that people will remember, they need, you know, they need to pay for. Yeah. Um, what are some of the other things that people will need to consider when they're buying at home? So we've obviously got the mortgage. Yeah. Um, which they can go to the bank or to a um, you know a mortgage broker. Um, think about the space that you're buying. You know, you know, can you maintain it? Can you look after it? You know, like I said, outdoor space because of the pandemic, yeah. but also just because people have realised actually having that communal space is really great. Um, and then, and then uh, you know, obviously the survey side as mentioned. So what what are the other kind of you know just yeah. not without going into too much detail, yeah. some of the key things that people need to think about? Sure. Um, I think the biggest thing is that the solicitor will actually drive the process. So you do need to find a good solicitor. Um, so the whole process is called conveyancing. Uh, so mm -hmm. not every solicitor does conveyancing, but you'd have to find a good one, generally local to you, but a lot of it can be done on email now. So if you can find a local solicitor, especially if that's one that's been recommended um, and that the fees aren't too high, uh, but I wouldn't really get obsessed on it exactly getting the cheapest solicitor because you know, you, you want a good service, you want someone that's going to be proactive. Um, so I've had mm -hmm. bad experiences and good experiences of, of solicitors. And so I think the key to get a good solicitor is they will be driving the process. So if they're on the ball, um, your, your, your whole process should be, you know, under two months, possibly three months maximum. You know, sometimes it can drag on a lot longer. Uh, but it's not even just about the time, you know, they'll give you good advice. And and if you've and if you're doing this for the first time, you know if you're a bit overawed, they can they can kind of um, help you out with some of the questions you might have, um, and then and then even just to build relationships with estate agents. So I would always say, as your first property, especially to go through estate agents, um, because sometimes mm -hmm. people might go through um, auctions, and and I probably say that's a bit more for the experienced investor generally. I mean, people have bought their first property through an through an auction as well. Um, but building rapport with estate agents, I know it's harder to see them face to face now in this time. But even on the phone, if you just um, speak to a few estate agents, they're very happy to um, give you advice. You know, estate agents are known for being very chatty and uh, <laughs> you can be on the phone. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, why not just let them talk and just, you know, give you advice, tell you about roads, tell you about what's, uh, uh, you know, pros and cons on certain properties. Um, and that starts to build up, like I said, a picture of, what you're looking for and what the kind of thing that you would want to home in on. Um, so a mortgage broker, a solicitor, um, a, a estate agents, not just one, but just a variety of estate agents that can help you buy one. 
and then I think the other thing is just to um, have people, um, like I said, that, you know, can give you advice. So just a friendly, yeah. um, somebody that's around that could be gone through the process or like myself, who have been in property and, and done it as a full-time business. Um, but just to sound off um, certain properties too, and just whether you, um, you know, just to give you a second opinion on it. So I think that's a big thing that will help um, in anyone's um, journey on looking to buy a property. And like I said, even though if you've never done it before, it can seem very daunting, uh, but the solicitors and, and all these mortgage brokers and the estate agents together, all of them in theory, <laughs> should work together to, to, to um, advise you and bring it, for, bring it to a successful conclusion. Um, I do say, though, you know, a lot of it has to be, no matter how good your team is of people that you've got there, you know, it is a bit of a game of snakes and ladders. So you can, you know, you can have an mm. offer accepted um, and then somebody else might even um, try and counter offer that even after it's accepted. Even after it's been accepted, there's this process where, you know, the seller might change his mind or someone else might come along and offer more. Or, um, for whatever reason, it can kind of fall out of bed. So it is a process that you do have to be persistent in and you know that comes down to your own mindset you know you don't you don't want to just give up too early because um it can be off-putting where you've gone through all this process and you know you invested your emotions into one property that you definitely feel this is the right one for you and then if it doesn't work out then you kind of think oh i'll get i'll stick to renting you know that kind of thing so yeah um it, it is a game of snakes and ladders and you have to be in it and be persistent yeah absolutely i really agree with that actually and when, when, when i was interviewing godman in the last yeah. episode um just some really interesting things so like you know obviously you mentioned earlier um is really important you know having a budget for your you know property that you're going to buy um but also renting can drain you know you can be paying someone else's mortgage so if you're in this property market yeah. and you're trying to find a property um you know try and find like i said like speak to the estate agents ask the best streets yeah. Um, you know, what, where are you going to get value for money? Um, things like neighbours, mm -hmm. you know, that's so important. You know, make sure you've got good neighbours around you. It's not just about the property mm -hmm. because if you're living in a space, you know, and you don't get on with your neighbours, it can really cause issues. So that's, um, you know, that's something to think about, isn't it, for other people? Yeah. Now, obviously with the buyers, mm -hmm. um, first time buyer, that's absolutely fine. Or if you're buying the property, if I come to selling my property, what does one do? So obviously the buying process is the same, but as you just mentioned, you know, there's different things that happen. So um, in the, with snakes and ladders, for mm -hmm. example, um, particularly when you come to selling, you know, that you can be chains and no chains. What, is, what do some of these terms mean? And what are, what are the things to look out for when you're going to sell a property and mm -hmm. buy another one? Sure. Um, with, with selling, I think um, the traditional ways to sell through an estate agent uh, it's not the only way. So people do use um, things like open open rent and other um, companies that can actually rent or sell your place uh, privately. Um, but I would definitely recommend a, a good agent, but someone that's got a, a good image. So you know, go on recommendation if you've if you've had a neighbour that sold and they had a good experience. You know, just like with anything, go on go on a good recommendation. Um, but even among trusted names, you know, the big high street agents, there are good ones and they're mm -hmm. bad ones. You know, it can vary. Really, they can really vary in their service. So, you know, especially not just about a company, but if you've got a person within that company that you can trust and has been recommended um, to go along with them as well. 
And a bit like what you're saying as well, you know, it is a game of snakes and ladders as well. So even if you've sold a place, um, the buyer can pull out and everything else. Um, what I tend to say, um, especially on this, is just to try to get the buyer to commit to the transaction. So not just agree the price, you know, wait till they uh, instruct their solicitors, wait till they um, do a survey and then take the property off the market. Because, you, you know, that whole process can take a few weeks and then you could be back at square one if they if they stall. And then you could have, yeah. you know, you've lost a month or two where you could have found another buyer. Um, so I would just say that even though, you know, take people at their word, yes, they are going to buy the property, but um, you still should have a fallback option in case uh, they follow through. Um, and, and the other thing with selling especially is, you know, the, to understand the seasonality of it all. So, you know, in January, not many buyers and same with December, there aren't many buyers around. Um, this this last December and January there were, but that was just a little bit different because of the, the pandemic and the stamp duty mm. holiday. But generally, you know, the spring months are the most buoyant time to sell property. So February, March, April, May, uh, those are really busy times where the weather's got better. People are um, out more. They're looking at properties. Maybe families are looking for um, re relocating before the next school year. Uh, all that kind of stuff means that you know, your price, a bit like when you're when you're trying to buy a convertible car, you know, it's like if you're mm. trying to buy it in spring <laughs> or summer, you're going to pay a lot more than if you're paying uh, for one in autumn or winter. So that kind of thing uh, makes a lot of difference as well. Yeah, that's absolutely, definitely. I think because one of the things I've noticed um, when I've been looking for the next home, just to kind of see what, what's been happening, um, it's really interesting, actually, because... You, I've seen a lot of the properties that, you know, are the same for weeks and weeks on yeah. end. Um, what would your advice be? You know, some of the trends that we see, you know, some properties are on the market for a very long time. Some get very snapped up very quickly. Mm. Are there things that, you know, so we should be looking, things we should be looking out for when we're looking for a property? Um, you know, if something's been on the market for quite a long time, do you, do you think people should go for that? Or? Um, I wouldn't necessarily discount them when they're on, when they're on, been on for a long time, but they could be, uh, indicative of, of a problem so you know it could be something there you know it's near an electricity pylon or there's some kind of structural issue with it and, and that's why it's not been selling um, but it could also just be that it's just a little bit quirky for some people and it might be something that you might like to buy um, but yeah. also the big advantage is it's been on the market for a long time generally uh, they're more and more keen to sell which means that they might um, discount the price uh, or they might accept a lower offer um, if you did go in so there's always a story to a property but it'd be good to try and find that out from the agent as to why it hasn't sold and um, mm. but it could well be that it was just on a, a lot higher price before and now it's been discounted so I wouldn't discount anything just because it's been on the uh, on the market a long time um, and then the reverse in terms of when properties are on there for a very short time um, there's a variety of reasons for that but I think it's 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 that's that's also why research is really good. So that when you've narrowed down what you're looking for, uh, when it does come on the market, you know that that's the one for you. So you don't even mind uh, paying asking price uh, because you you've looked at other things around. You've you've seen you know the factors um, affecting the market in that area, and you know when that comes on a certain price um, that that you want to snap it up, and you don't you, you're not you're not really looking for other comparables then because you already know what the market is. Uh, so I guess that's where research comes into it. So you know uh, to snap up the right property at the right time.
Yeah. No, that's that's really that's really important actually. Um, and there are quite there are just a couple of other questions that come to mind. Um, one is, you know, if you are looking to sell a property, um, or sorry, to buy a new property off, you know, if you've already got one, how does one go about that in the respect of does my property, you know, I'm using myself as an example because it's easier, yeah. <laughs> but um, do I does my property need to be uh, on 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 the market before I start researching and looking for for other properties? Um, because different estate agents will tell you different things, right. for example. So, um, you know, should my property be on the market beforehand um, before I start looking for for a place or? Um, should I find my place and then put my property on, on the market? Yeah, it's it's a tricky one, really, because it could take you a while to find your place as well, the next place. So you don't want to then, you know, sell it, sell your current place and have an offer agreed and still not be able to find a place. And that's quite a, a common occurrence. But I, I would say it just really depends, because if you're in an area where you know that you can sell your property quickly, um, it could well be that you look for a property first um, and then when you have agreed a purchase, you could actually then quickly try and put your property on and, and get it sold. But like you said, some agents would actually want you to have your property on the market and even under offer before they even show you the place. So it does really vary. Um, obviously, like if you've got any options that such as moving to a temporary place in between properties and things like that. So for myself mm-hmm. and my wife, we've, we sold our place. Um, we knew that we had the fallback that we could move to my mum's for a short time before we buy our next, our next place. Um, so that's the way we did it. But everyone's going to be different and what they're comfortable with. And somebody might not want to move to a temporary place, even if they've got that option. So there's, there's lots of different um, things to think about, really. But like I say, because it's a game of snakes and ladders, you know, you might anticipate that your purchase might take two months when it could end up taking uh, double that. So there's lots of uh, things to um, to be wary of but you you don't even tot- you can't totally plan it you just have to almost um, do the best you can and just be flexible really yeah mm. um and then you said that the other question that came to mind was um estate agent mm-hmm. fees so when you are going to sell a property um can those fees be negotiated is that something that you you know that you can do uh generally they can be um some of the big big high street um, agents wouldn't negotiate on the fees. Um, But I would say, you know, not to be too obsessed with trying to negotiate those fees down. I mean, sometimes you can, but then um, the agents itself might be less motivated than to actually sell your property. So in the whole scheme of things, you know, whether you're paying one to one and a half to even 2%, um, they don't make much difference to the actual proceeds that you end up with, you know, after you've sold a property, you know, so in, in other countries, you know, these estate agent fees are like 5 6% or even higher. Um, so in England, it's historically very low fees. Um, so for mm-hmm. me, I wouldn't really, I say to people, you know, not, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't necessarily just go for whoever's doing the cheapest um, fees for you. Um, yeah. And, and um, also like, uh, yeah, I think if if they are prepared to negotiate straight away, you know, if you if you met an agent that say, oh, we normally charge you two percent, but we'll do it for you for one percent, you know, that shows they're not that good at <laughs> negotiating when they, you know, when they're trying <laughs> to find the best price for you as well. So that kind of thing. So yeah. I think um, you know, a good honest agent um, is 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 worth their fees, and so I wouldn't be obsessed with just trying to bring that bring their fee down necessarily. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm. Thank you. 
And then finally, in terms of, you know, any extra advice and tips, is there, is there anything else you want to add that would be helpful in terms of obviously the, the property buying process or selling process? Um, yeah, sure. I think the biggest thing which I mentioned about looking online, you know, because for me, uh, there's so much things you can, there's so much information you can access online. Um, so reading books as well, there's some great books out there on property investment. Um, and if it's something that you might want to do as a, as a hobby as well, you know, you might want to do a little side business, you know, have buying a buy to let property and everything else. You can start to go to property networking events and be surrounded by other property investors. I think that's that's one of the good things you could do. And again, it's not it's not um, expensive. It's, people think of, oh, you need a lot of money to even get into property, uh, but not necessarily so. Um, but I always say to just to just when you're especially buying for the first time, you know, to concentrate on the three uh, big factors which will affect your mortgage because your mortgage is going to affect how much you're going to be able to borrow and the kind of type of property that you can buy. And then you also got a bigger range of properties. So if, if your credit score, um, your deposit and your affordability um, are very good, you know, that's, that's going to affect um, your buying process in such a big way. So I would say to just keep your credit score, you know, your credit rating, um, sacred you know if you had any issues with credit to just try and rectify them knowing that when you do put in your mortgage application one day even if it's in six months or a year or two years time you know you want your credit rating to be as high as possible um, the same with the deposit as well you know if you've if you've not been able to save a deposit you know even if you're planning for the next three to five years to buy a property you know just to gradually a bit like what uh, Godman was sharing on the on the uh, money on, on his uh, podcast with you that you know money management side of things um are you budgeting to save a deposit that even in three years or five years time because it isn't easy to save a deposit uh you know for anybody no, and, it's, and it's a lot harder now than it was 10 15 years ago uh, so nobody's nobody's pretending that it's easy but uh, are you planning to then to build a deposit and the bigger deposit you have obviously then the lower the mortgage that you need to get, which also means your lower monthly um, figures. So in that way, you feel a bit more comfortable having a lower mortgage. Um, and then your affordability. So that's the other third thing that I would say that uh, should be looked at very closely and just analyze. So how much are you spending on your outgoings and how much are you um, getting in from your income? And maybe if you've got a side business or anything else. So just to make sure your affordability is something that uh, mortgage companies won't bulk at. Um, so I think that those are three things, a credit score, deposit and affordability more than anything else um, to really just concentrate on um, a, a, as, as well as all the research that I mentioned as well. Um, and just the other tip I would just say is, you know, we, we ultimately do have to take the plunge. You know, it's one of these decisions, especially with big decisions in life, you know, like uh, buying a car or <laughs> who you're going to marry or uh, these kind of things, you know, you can always talk yourself out of big decisions. You know, there are a million and one excuses yeah. or reasons why you shouldn't do something. And so I, I say ultimately you do have to take the plunge eventually as well. So um, you might you might even decide on a property that's might, maybe not quite right for you, you know, needs a bit more work than you thought or not in the perfect road that you would like to live in or anything like that. Um, but if you're waiting for all the ducks to line up in a way it's going to be very difficult sometimes you know because there isn't maybe there's no such thing as this kind of perfect house um 
but also people that have bought, you know, even if they've bought the house that there's not been the perfect house for them, you know, in the future as their property has gone up in value and generally, you know, from a London perspective, you know, prices do go up um, quite quickly and even just in other cities around the country, but generally in, in the UK full stop, um, then it gives you the opportunity to then sell and then buy something that's more ideal and more in line with what you you really want. So I would say that it doesn't need to be this, you know, a lot of people just wait and wait and wait thinking it's got to be this property that they live in for 20 years. But, you know, life changes as well. And, <laughs> and you might not, you know, you might not even, um, the, the house might not be suitable for you in 15, 20 years anyway. Um, so those are some of those things. I think all of the things that we touched on before as well, you know, to do with um, just looking at service charge and maintenance costs, um, I think those are yeah. very important because it's one thing to say I can afford to buy the place, um, but are you willing to you know spend a thousand or two thousand pound a year on service charge? And like you said, sometimes they might not really do much with the, that money that you give them. You know, it might just be cutting the grass every mm. few months or something like that, but you don't really see the benefit of it. So I would just say all of those things together, um, even though it does seem like a bit of a minefield you know, make the best decision you can with the information you've got and go from there. That's brilliant, Dylan. Thank you. That's really, um, that's really helpful. And I'm sure there's going to, there's going to be people out there listening yeah. who are looking for that first home or looking to sell their property. Um, and like you said, you've got to, you've got to take the plunge, <laughs> yeah. you know, like any life sure, decision. Sure. And, you, and you learn, it's, yeah. it's, you know, you will make mistakes. You will probably need to ask a lot of questions. But actually... As you said, I think there's so many people out there who can mm. help you. Um, it's just finally taking that that kind of step and saying, actually, you know, let me just, you know, even it's getting on the property ladder. I think once yeah. you're on it, it becomes a little bit easier because you've done the first part, which is the buying yeah. process. Um, and then, you know, you know, like I said, salaries change, mm -hmm. things change, um, situations change, and you could be, you could mm -hmm. afford more. Or you may decide to remain in that property, you know, a lot yeah. longer. Um, and I think that, you know, as I said to Godman in the last episode, it's, diff it's different if you're buying on your own because, you know, you, you, you're taking the cost yeah. on your own. Um, but there's also, you know, if you're if you're moving in with, a, you know, um, your husband or wife or you know, partner, whatever yeah. it might be, um, you know, there's two incomes coming in. So. You know, there's lots of different ways to buy. There's lots of different scenarios and, and, and they'll be different for different yeah. people. So where can people find you? How do they get in touch? You know, social media, um, LinkedIn, whatever it might be. How do people get yes. in touch with you? Uh, so I'm on Instagram, um, which is Life of Dylan. So D-A-Y-A-L-A-N. I actually had my Facebook uh, hacked a few weeks ago, so my Facebook account is down oh, at the gosh. moment. <laughs> but I will be back up there on, uh, as Dylan Mahasen. So my surname is M-A-H-E-S-A-N. Um, and then my email address, so my email is dylan.mahasen at kwuk.com. Um, so those are the best ways. And I'm, I'm really happy and willing to, you know, give a second opinion on any property. I mean, I, I've, I've seen thousands of properties in my life and I'm happy to always come yeah. out and see another property if someone's seriously interested in it and give advice. And, you know, that's part of what I do. And and also, like I mentioned, you know, I do I do uh, mentor people and do talks on on how to get on the property ladder. And some of the things that we talked about today, you know, I'd go into a bit more detail um, to do with like leasehold and freehold and the different types of mortgages out there. I was just trying to give you an overview and everyone else an overview on, yeah. on some of the things to think about. 
No, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm, I'm sure that there'll be people in touch with you to ask lots of questions. But definitely, if you're looking at investing, guys, make sure you get in touch with Ayalan. He can help you, uh, mentor you, go through it in a much more uh, in-depth process. You know, today's been really helpful to understand what it's like to buy a property, to sell, what are some of the key things to look out for, you know, and ultimately just taking the plunge yeah. and doing it. So that's great. Thank you so much, Day Island. I really no appreciate problem. your time. No problem. It was great to talk. Yep. Take Good. Care. Take Thank care you. of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Bye.